Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 10, please. John chapter 10. We continue through our series through the book of John, the Gospel of John. And we considered all of chapter 9 uh, last week. But chapter 10 is a continuation of what took place in chapter 9. You recall chapter 9, Jesus heals the man who was born blind. And he has interaction with the Pharisees towards certainly towards the end of the chapter. And then chapter 10 is a continuation of that conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. And I want to direct your attention this morning to verses 1 through 16 for our text. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep heareth his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will, not, will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Now, I'll just stop right there for a second. They would have understood the imagery that Jesus was talking about here when he re- regarding a sheepfold and so on. But the Bible says they didn't understand the things which he spake unto them, and that was because they didn't understand that Jesus was speaking of himself. So Jesus goes on to clarify in verse 7, Then said Jesus unto them, again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Here's another one of those I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. He says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is explaining now what he's getting at with the parable that he spoke to them. Verse 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. And that is a great verse, especially for you and me. Uh, Jesus is speaking of Gentile believers, that's a marvelous truth for you and I, that we can know the Lord, that we can be part of uh, the family of God. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the Good Shepherd out of John chapter 10 here. By way of introduction, let me tell you this story. There were two men who were called on in a large classroom, and they were called on to recite the 23rd Psalm. 
By the way, if you go back and study out, we won't do this today. We don't have the time to do it. But Psalm 22 talks about the good shepherd. Psalm 23 uh, is the great shepherd. Psalm 24 is the chief shepherd who shall appear. Great truths in those psalms. But you know how Psalm 23 starts? The Lord is my shepherd. And these two men were called on <coughs> in a large classroom to recite the 23rd Psalm. And one of the men was a published orator who was trained in speech and speech technique and in drama. And so he was very professional and he stood up and he repeated the psalm in a very powerful way that impacted the people. And when he finished, the audience cheered and even asked for an encore that they might hear his wonderful voice again. But then the other man, who was a much older man, stood and repeated those very same words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he finished the psalm. But when he finished the psalm, there was no sound that came from the large class, only silence. But the reason that there was such silence is because the people sat in a deep mood of devotion and prayer. After a period of silence, the first man, who was the orator, he stood to his feet and he said to the crowd, he said, I have a confession to make. The difference between what you have just heard from my old friend and what you heard from me is this. I know the psalm, but my friend here knows the shepherd. I said that to illustrate this. As Jesus delivered this parable, it comes on the heels of healing of the blind man in chapter 9. And you'll recall, again, as I said, our text here this morning is a continuation of that conversation that Jesus was having with the Pharisees. And you'll recall that in chapter 9, the Pharisees kicked the man who was born blind, they kicked him out of the synagogue. And they said to him, because of their pride, they said, you were, you were altogether born in sins and you, you think you're going to teach us? And so they kicked him out of, of the, the synagogue and so on because of their pride. And, and so Jesus goes right into giving this parable. And in it, what Jesus does is he clearly declares himself as God. He declares his identity. He plainly states his purpose and his plans for coming into this world. And what he does is contrasts himself with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. They're hirelings. I'm the true shepherd. Look in verse 39 of chapter 9, just for reference sake. And Jesus said, for judgment, I am come into this world. He's declaring his purpose. And they which, that, that they which see a not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. In other words, what he's saying is, I came into this world for judgment so that, so that people who, who could see the real sinful condition before God and understand what they are. And he's the light of the world. And the verse 40 says, Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. They were self-righteous. They didn't see their 
own condition before God, so their sin remained. In the verses of our text, though, this morning, if we start to break them down, we start to really pay attention to what's happening here, we can see the heart of Jesus on display. Here he reveals his love for sinners. In it, he also reveals his plan for dealing with people's sin. He says uh, that in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. As opposed to the Pharisees, who are nothing more than hirelings, who are only looking out for themselves and to build themselves up. And so that's sort of, a, in a nutshell, what this passage is all about. But as we go through this this morning, as we begin, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Or pay attention. And I want you to ask yourself the question right now. Number one, do I really know the shepherd and does he know me? That's the first question. Ask yourself the question, do I really know the shepherd and does he know me? But the second question is this. Am I really following his voice? Am I really following his voice? My prayer this morning is that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you would before you leave today. But my prayer also this morning is that if you do know him, that you really follow him and obey his voice. These verses this morning teach us that Jesus possesses certain qualities that qualify him to be called the good shepherd. And again, we're going to talk about Jesus, the good shepherd. And so I want you to follow along as we walk through these verses and see the heart of Jesus as the good shepherd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give your help? And Father, may your spirit control and lead in what is said and done. And Lord, I need you. I pray that you control my thoughts and my words and that your word is conveyed just as you'd have it to be this morning. And Lord, I pray for the engagement of your people as well, that minds would be clear and Lord, that hearts would be sincere about doing business with God through your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, consider that Jesus Christ possesses the right credentials to be the Good Shepherd. Verses 1 through 3 tells us <clears throat> some things about Jesus. It tells us that He came properly. And notice the words here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth. Now, again, we're talking about that Jesus possesses the right credentials to be called the good shepherd. And these first few verses tell us that he entered or he came the right way or came properly. Jesus uses the imagery of a sheepfold to illustrate truth concerning himself. And the Pharisees didn't understand it all right away until Jesus explains it. But you notice the imagery that he uses here. And they would have understood the imagery of a sheepfold, certainly. They just didn't understand that Jesus spoke of himself. 
He says, the one who enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Again, the imagery of a sheepfold is used here to illustrate truth concerning himself. Now, in those days, a sheepfold was, was often uh, circular, all right? And it wasn't just circular, but it was a circle wall that was at least 10 feet high. I think it's interesting that the scriptures use the word climbeth up some other way. Uh, History tells us that usually it was at least 10 feet tall and there was a single opening that served as a door. Now, it wasn't a door as we would know it, a door that has hinges and so on. All it was was just a narrow opening. Now, in that same sheepfold, several flocks might be placed in that sheepfold at night. And one of the shepherds would lie in that narrow opening and serve as the door to the sheepfold. And the reason the shepherd would lie in that narrow opening was so that nothing could get into or nothing could go out of the sheepfold without having to go through the shepherd. The wall was so tall and so high in order to keep out what shouldn't come in. And Jesus says the one who tries to climb up over that tall wall, who comes in another way other than the door, is a thief and a robber. But the one who goes through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is telling his audience that only thieves and only robbers seek to enter into the sheepfold by another means besides the door. The shepherd, however, would always come the right way. Now, Jesus is illustrating truth concerning himself. Jesus proves that he's the shepherd of the sheep because he came into this world in the right manner. He entered according to God's plan. The scripture said that the Messiah would come a certain way. The the scriptures declared that the Messiah would be virgin born. In Isaiah chapter 7 in verse 14, uh, the Bible tells us that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. Amen? Go back. Let's just look at a couple of these passages. Let's look at it. Let's just do it for the sake of clarity. Isaiah chapter 7 in verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was the scriptures prophesying how the Messiah would come into this world. You look over into Matthew chapter 1, please. Matthew chapter 1 and look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now note this, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy concerning how the Messiah would come into this world. 
Not only that, the scripture said that he would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, Out of thee, thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be small or little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come he that ruleth. While you look in Matthew chapter 2, in verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded, excuse me, where am I at? I need to be there. Yes, we're in the right place. Demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And so we find again Jesus fulfills prophecy concerning Scripture, how the Messiah would come. In the book of Hosea, in chapter 11, in verse 1, the prophecy uh, concerning the Messiah is that he would be brought out of Egypt. You can uh, turn over there. It's right before the book of Joel, right after the book of Daniel, in case you don't know where Hosea is. Some of you aren't even turning because you're like, I don't know where it is. I'm not, I'm not going to turn there. He'll read it. Shame on you. <laughs> Hosea 11, verse 1, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. You get back over to Matthew chapter 2 and look at verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. His arrival was also prophesied that it would provoke the rage of the enemy. Back in Jeremiah chapter 31, in verse 15, there's another prophecy concerning the Messiah. Jeremiah 31 and verse 15. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not we're talking about how his coming would provoke the rage of the enemy. Well, in Matthew chapter 2, you remember the story how Herod had all the male babies two years and under killed. And you read in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he diligently inquired of the wise men, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weepeth for her children and would not be comforted because they were not. And we could go on and on through the list here of how Jesus came into this world, that He came 
in the right manner. He entered according to God's plan. He was definitely the right person. He possessed all the credentials necessary to prove that he is the good shepherd. Not only is he the shepherd, but he's also that also made him the door into the sheepfold. Back in our text in John chapter 10 and verse 7, Jesus says not only... Go there, John chapter 10. Look at verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 9, he says, I am the door. By, any man, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Not only is he the shepherd, but he's also the door. And if you'll remember, there was only one opening going into or out of a sheepfold. It was in that opening that the shepherd would lay. Nothing could go in, nothing could go out except through him. Therefore, the shepherd himself became the door of the sheep, and nothing could go uh, uh, into that fold without going through the shepherd himself. And I'm saying all of that and trying to describe all of that because it illustrates for us that there's only one way into the safety of the sheepfold. That sheepfold is salvation in Jesus Christ. Salvation in Jesus Christ is, 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 is the only way that there is to enter into the safety of the sheepfold. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Acts chapter 4 in verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other other than the name of Jesus. Now look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. In verse 1, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Of God. What does the Bible tell us? That the only way to have peace with God, the only way to have safety uh, from the wrath of God is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is through Him that we have access into the grace that we stand in, in, in Jesus Christ. If anybody desires entrance into the fold of God, there's only one door. It's through Jesus Christ. You want peace with God? You want peace for your soul, friend? There's only one way to get it. It's through Jesus Christ. Any other way is only going to lead to death and damnation. In Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says in Matthew 7 in verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate. That's narrow. Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let me just say this to you as we move on. To me, friend, and it ought to be to you too as well, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing 
to be eternally saved and free. Free from the fear of dying. Free from the fear of dying lost in my sin. Jesus said to those Pharisees, you're going to die in your sins because you don't believe. Friend, it is a wonderful thing to be free from the fear of dying lost. Only to face the wrath of God and end up eternally separated from God in punishment in the lake of fire. I am so grateful and thankful to be saved. I was reading the words of that offertory just a little bit ago. Once an enemy of God, but now a child of God. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I think we lose. We lose something sometimes. The longer that we're saved or the more we're immersed in this life, or even sometimes the longer we say we're saved, we kind of we take on this attitude like, well, of course I'm saved. I deserve to be saved. And we know we don't deserve to be saved. We know that. But there's something about it sometimes that causes us to, to lose a sense of gratitude for what I have in Christ Jesus. Where I was an enemy of God, outside of the fold, uh, condemned to die, not part of the fold, no safety, no peace with God, but now I possess peace with God. And I'm free from the fear of dying lost. I wonder, some of you this morning, some of you this morning need to get a real, you need to, you need, you need to be very afraid. That's what you need. You need to be very afraid if you don't know Jesus Christ, because friend, you don't know if you're going to live tomorrow, but you also don't know if the Lord's going to come back today. And you're forever going to be lost. You're not safe because you haven't gone through the door. You don't have peace with God. You don't have that wonderful joy of knowing that if I die today, I'm not lost. I'm not going to end up in judgment. I have peace with God. Well, we find in, the, in our text, you go back to John chapter 10, we're talking about the fact that he possesses the right credentials to be the good shepherd. He came properly, but we also note that he calls properly. In verse 3, the second part of verse 3, note this. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now remember, in a sheepfold, there might be several flocks all sharing the same sheepfold. However, when the sheep or when the shepherd of that sheep walks up to the door and he calls his sheep, they instantly recognize his voice and they respond to him because they know his call. 
There's a story that's told of a man in Australia who was arrested and he was charged with stealing someone else's sheep. But he claimed emphatically that, that they were his own sheep. These sheep that he now had had been missing for many days and he now had them back in his flock. Well, the, the case ended up going to court. And the judge was puzzled because he didn't know how to decide this matter. And finally, what he did was he asked that the sheep be brought into the courtroom. And then he ordered the plaintiff to step outside and to call the animals. The sheep, when the man went outside and started calling the animals, the sheep made no response, except to simply raise their head and maybe even look a little frightened. The judge then instructed, instructed the defendant or the man who was accused to go to the courtyard and to do the same thing, to call the sheep. And so when the man accused that was accused uh, went out into the courtyard and he begins to make his very distinctive call. The sheep start to bound toward the door and it was obvious that they recognized that very familiar voice of their master and they came to his call and the judge said, those sheep know him. Case dismissed. I think it's a great illustration. And there's two applications that can be made with this truth. An application for the lost and an application for the saved or the true sheep. The first application for the lost is this. There are many voices out in this world that compete for your attention. But there's a special note to the voice of the Lord. There's a special note to His call. When He calls, everything changes in a person's life. The voice of the Good Shepherd is the only one that can awaken the dead heart. The only one that sounds right to the desperate soul. Religion, it, it, people try to, 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 to fill that with religion, but it sounds empty and it sounds vain and it offers no hope. But when the Spirit of God begins to speak through the Word of God, there's something special about that voice. I think of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember that story in Acts chapter 8, how he went to Jerusalem to worship he was looking after God. He was seeking for God. And the text tells us that he left still unable to find exactly what he was looking for. And he was searching in the scriptures and the spirit told Philip, go join yourself to this chariot. And when he ran alongside, he heard him reading out of the prophet Isaiah. He asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And when Philip got into the chariot, he began to preach unto him Jesus. And it was at that moment that this man's eyes and ears and soul was gathered into this place, understood this was true. And when he said, do you believe that Jesus, he said, if thou believest, thou mayest. When he asked if he could be baptized, he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There was a note to that voice that said it was true. And I, I know this is true. 
There are people who, who struggle in their life and their search. They've got problems and they've got addictions and they've got depression and they've got all these other things. And they're searching for something for their soul. And when they come under the sound of the gospel, there's something that rings true about it. This is real. There's something that convicts your soul. If you're not saved here this morning, maybe you even grew up religious. But when you came under the sound of the preaching of God's word, the real preaching of God's word, there's something that says that is real and that is true. And it's the thing that offers hope for the soul. But there's also another application for the true sheep. Verse 4 says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. When the shepherd calls forth his sheep, he goes before them, and they instinctively follow him. Listen, he doesn't have to drive them. That's for the goats. He just leads them out, and they follow close behind. And what a truth this is. What a truth this is, because when a soul is saved by the grace of God, they will have a desire to follow their shepherd. You know, when a person is saved and their heart is right with the Lord, they don't have to be begged to come to church. Well, you're all here today, so praise the Lord for that. A person who's truly saved doesn't have, to be, doesn't have to be begged to serve God. A person who's truly saved doesn't have to be begged to come to church and worship the Lord. A, a person who's truly saved doesn't have to be begged to share their faith or, or to live a separated life. They don't have to have all of these restrictions and rules. Listen, they do it by instinct because they want to follow their shepherd. And the same, listen, listen, the opposite can also be true. If there is no desire to be in church and worship God, if there's not really a desire for the things of God, if there's not really a desire to serve God and be a part of God's people, maybe it's because they're not saved. Maybe they just need some life. They're not really sheep. Oh, we want to make excuses and we want to like, oh, well, you know, they got some things going on in their life and it's really difficult. And, and you know, you just got to uh, you just got to understand it. that might be true. That might be true. But it also might be true that they're just not saved. That's the reality, friend. Because the true sheep. When the shepherd puts forth his own, he goes before them. And the sheep instinctively follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. So, will you sound mad, Pastor? No. I'm not mad. But you know what I am? I'm serious about following my shepherd and obeying his voice. I don't always do it perfect. And I don't like when I fail or mess up. But I know one thing is true. Right here in my soul, there is no stronger desire than to want to please God. 
Are you following his voice? Are you really obedient to the voice of the shepherd? I think that, and I know that because the sheep have been called out by the shepherd, they're going to have a burden, a burning burden to follow him because they belong to him. Is that true of you? Well, we find in our passage here that he has all the right credentials. He came the right way. He calls the right way. But then, secondly, we notice that he possesses the right character. In verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep." The thief, according to this verse, verse 10, his only purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and to destroy. Jesus sets himself in contrast with the Pharisees. He says, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. The thief is a threat to the sheep. When a thief enters the fold... His primary purpose is to use the sheep for his own personal gain. He doesn't care about their welfare, but the good shepherd, he gives his very life for the sheep. And we're, what I'm saying here is that Jesus possesses the right character to be the good shepherd. First of all, his character is proven by his sacrifice. Verses 10 and 11 teach us this. Again, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus explains the difference here between the shepherd and the hireling, between himself and the Pharisees. Verse 10, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life. The hireling is only there for the paycheck, let's put it that way. When trouble comes, he runs away. He leaves the sheep to be devoured by the wolf. The shepherd, on the other hand, owns the sheep and loves the sheep, and therefore the, sh the shepherd is willing to pay any price to protect the sheep, even if it means giving his very life for them. Now here's an application. This is exactly what Jesus did. My sin brings me under the wrath of Almighty God. But Jesus sacrificed His life so that I could be set free. 
We don't have to go into all of the details concerning crucifixion. You've heard it enough times, but you know that it was horrible. A horrible way to die. A horrible death. A painful, slow, miserable death. But the horror of the crucifixion is driven home when we understand that what He did, He did for me. He took the death that I deserve. The truth of the matter is that Jesus Christ endured the awesome wrath of Almighty God against sin. When Jesus was on the cross, you know it, He took your place. He took my place. He was judged in my place. But it's the sacrifice of Himself that proves that He's the Good Shepherd. It's proven by His sacrifice, but His character is also proven by His concern. Look at verse 14. I am the Good Shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know, know I the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. The verses prior to this talk about the hireling who sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep and the hireling flees because all he is is a hireling and he doesn't care for the sheep. Jesus speaks of the bond that exists between the shepherd and his sheep. They know Him. They follow Him. They won't follow another. And the shepherd knows all about his sheep. There's another story that's told of a shepherd and how he knew every sheep in his flock. The individual sheep in a flock, they all look alike to the untrained eye. They just look like sheep. They all look the same. But a good shepherd can tell them all apart, often because of their defects and peculiar traits. And there was a man who was tending a large flock, and he explained this truth to a Christian friend of his who expressed surprise at his familiarity with each one of these animals. And the shepherd, as he was talking to his friend, said, See that sheep over there? You see him? Notice how it toes in a little as it walks. And the one behind that, notice how it has a little squint in its eye. And the next one to that has a patch of wool that is missing from its back. Ahead of that one is one with a, that has that distinguishing black mark about it while the one that's closest to us has a small piece that's just torn off of his ear. Do you notice those things? And the friend, as he started observing all of the sheep and noticing the differences that was pointed out by the shepherd, that believer friend thought about 
Jesus Christ, who is the chief shepherd, who also knows all the individual weaknesses and failings of his flock and watches over the members with just as much discerning love and care and understanding. With infinite concern, he notes the doubts, the fears, the trials, the conflicts, the defeats that disturb the peace. And the chief shepherd swiftly comes to the aid. I tell that story to simply say this and remind you of this. The good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows everything there is to know about you, friend. Think about that for a second. The stuff that nobody else knows, he knows it. The stuff that your brothers and sisters in this room right now don't know about you, he knows. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, And I'll conclude here with this, but Matthew 10 and verse 29. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. The very hairs of your head are numbered. That's always changing. And it illustrates for us that the circumstances of life, they're always changing. But Jesus knows. You're of more value than many sparrows. He talks about one sparrow not falling to the ground without your father, meaning he knows, he's aware, he cares. That thing that you're struggling with, that hurt that you feel in your heart over something, that trial that nobody knows exactly how it affects you or how deeply it goes, He knows. The victories that you've won, the battles that you're fighting now, the weaknesses to your character, He knows it all. And therefore, he's going to do whatever is necessary to cause you to grow and cause you to prosper spiritually. Sometimes that's not always pleasant, right? But it's because he cares. Wayward sheep often need the rod to correct them for their own safety and their own good. Sometimes the sheep need the shepherd to pick them up and carry them. And the Lord does that for us. And what I'm trying to convey to you this morning is that He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. And that should cause us to be ever thankful to the Lord this morning. That we have that kind of a shepherd who knows all about me. He knows my weaknesses and He knows my, my flaws. He knows the battles. He knows all of it. And this is what he does. He takes me in his arms and he holds me close to himself. 
and he helps me to grow. That ought to encourage your heart. There's no question that Jesus is the good shepherd. The only question that remains at this point is, first of all, do you know him? Do you know the shepherd and does he know you? That was the first question we started with as we started this message. Are you saved? Do you know the shepherd? The second question, though, is this. Are you following his voice? I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the shepherd of my soul. I'm so glad that I get to enjoy his care and his guidance in my life. Even when I start to stray, I rest secure in him because he's given life and he gives it more abundantly. Do you know the shepherd? Does he know you? And are you following his voice? And I'll conclude with this last statement. If you've wandered somewhere along the way as one of the sheep, Jesus Christ, the shepherd, is calling you to return. Get right with the Lord. Get back in good fellowship with the shepherd. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, use your word in hearts today and just the thoughts that are conveyed from the scriptures themselves are just very powerful. If we'll take a minute and just think and meditate and let the Spirit of God apply it in our life and not even really how it's presented or how it's preached. It's the power of the Word of God through the Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd use it to draw us close to you, and I pray that you'd use it in the lives of those that are not saved. That they would see that there's no peace with God. There's no safety for them. They're not safe in the sheepfold because they haven't come through the door to Lord Jesus Christ. May they repent of their sin. May they see their condemnation. May they see the danger that they're in under the wrath of God. And Jesus said, if you come by me, you shall be saved. Not a chance at an offer of salvation, but you shall be saved, saved from the wrath of God. And Lord, I pray that you would convict those and draw them to yourself today. In Jesus' name, amen.